Chapter Ten of Victorian Literature. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ruhi Huck. Victorian Literature by Clement Shorter. The Critics. Part Four. 1815 to 1881. Arthur Penrhyn Stanley wrote his Life of Dr. Arnold in 1884. A son of Edward Stanley, Bishop of Norwich, he was born at Alderley in Cheshire. From rugby he went to Balliol College, Oxford, where he had an exceptionally distinguished career. In 1851 he became a canon of Canterbury, and his picturesque Memorials of Canterbury were the outcome of residence in that city. In 1863, he was made Dean of Westminster, notwithstanding the opposition of the High Church Party, to whom the theological views expressed in his numerous works were distasteful. Of these writings, Sinai and Palestine, Lectures on the Eastern Church, and Lectures on the Jewish Church are the best known. As Dean of Westminster, Dr. Stanley became an active leader of the broad church movement. Although not a contributor to essays and reviews, his services to the movement were incalculable. He invited Max Muller to lecture in the Abbey, befriended Pierre Hyacinthi, and gave sympathy to Bishop Colenso. His speeches in the lower house of convocation particularly one in which he proposed the suppression of the athanasian creed in the services of the church made him many enemies but few ecclesiastics have been so beloved by both sovereign and people one recalls the pleasant active little man so proud of his abbey church with a deep sigh that he should be no more his life was written by his successor dean bradley 1817-1893, to 1813-1884. One of the contributors to Essays and Reviews, the Manifesto of the Broad Church Party, which appeared in 1860, Frederick Temple must be mentioned because of his contribution. The Education of the World led to a frantic effort to prevent his receiving the bishopric of Exeter, an effort which was unsuccessful. In 1885, Dr. Temple was made Bishop of London, and in 1896, Archbishop of Canterbury. Other distinguished writers in essays and reviews were Dr. Jouet and Mr. Mark Patterson. Benjamin Jouet, master of Belleol, who wrote the essay on the interpretation of scripture, achieved his greatest successes by his brilliant translations of Plato, Thucydides, and the politics of Aristotle. His Plato drew from John Bright, who was little inclined to appreciate the great thoughts of the Athenian philosopher, an expression of admiration for the classic English of the Oxford professor. Jowett's life was written by Evelyn, Abbott, and Lewis Campbell. Mark Patterson, whose contribution to essays and reviews was on the tendencies of religious thought in England, assisted Newman and Passy in the early days of the Tractarian movement, but finally went over to the liberalism, which they so much dreaded. In 1861, he was elected rector of Lincoln College, Oxford. Patterson was a profound scholar. 
few men have led lives so absorbed in books the results of his learning are apparent in his interesting life of isaac Kesobon, which he had hoped to follow by a life of scaliger eighteen o five to eighteen seventy two but men like Sherwood and patterson have been the armchair representatives of a movement which found one of its most active supporters in john frederick de nyson maurice maurice was the son of a unitarian minister and was born at normanstone near lovestoft for a time he was editor of the athenaeum but joined the anglican church in eighteen thirty one and accepted a curacy near leamington the treatise entitled subscription no bondage which defined his position in the church excited much attention as did also his tracts on the kingdom of christ in conjunction with kingsley and hughes he published pamphlets called politics for the people and organized the christian socialist and cooperative movement of eighteen fifty like kingsley maurice may be labelled a broad churchman not so much on doctrinal grounds as for the breadth of his sympathies it was social rather than theological problems to which he attached importance kingsley indeed described himself to correspondence as a broad churchman a high churchman and an evangelican as the mood seemed to take him bishop colenso is a good type of the more militant theologians john william colenso first came before the public as the author of mathematical textbooks at this time he was vicar of fawnset st mary in norfolk but in eighteen fifty three he was made bishop of natal in south africa he was a zealous advocate of the rights of the natives against the oppression of the boers and cape town officials but in a measure his influence was weakened by the publication of his work on biblical criticism the pentateuch and book of joshua critically examined which was condemned by both houses of convocation as heretical when colenso came to england in eighteen seventy four he was inhibited from preaching in the dioceses of london lincoln and oxford at oxford however his sermon was read from the pulpit of Balliol, while the bishop sat below and the same device was pursued at mr stopford brooks church in london dean stanley invited him to the abbey pulpit claiming freedom from the jurisdiction of dr jackson the then bishop of london but colenso declined to increase the ill-feeling which had been excited eighteen thirty eight another distinguished member of the broad church party edwin abbott was headmaster of the city of london school from eighteen sixty five to eighteen eighty nine he has published several educational works his religious influence has developed itself through philocritus memoirs of a disciple of our lord and onesimus memoirs of a disciple of saint paul also by a volume of sermons through nature to christ which is perhaps the best evidence of the development of the broad church movement dr whateley one of its founders argued for the miracles as indicative of the divine origin of christianity dr abbott esteems the insistence on miracles as a bar to belief perhaps the purest and most inspiring of all the eloquent teachers belonging to this party was frederick william robertson of brighton whose sermons have been widely read especially in america and whose lectures are as helpful and bracing as any written in our time 
robertson's remarkable career of only thirty-seven years has been made known to us by the beautiful life which was written by mr stopford brooke eighteen sixteen to eighteen fifty three stopford augustus brooke eighteen thirty two was born in dublin and educated at trinity college at first he was a church of england clergyman and a queen's chaplain but succeeded in eighteen eighty on account of his inability to believe in many supernatural phrases of christian teaching his primer of english literature history of early english poetry theology in the english poets and life of milton have the ring of the genuine and indeed of the great critic eighteen eighteen to eighteen seventy one outside the pale of the anglican community but powerful factors in that same broad church movement which has been charged with stretching the old formula to meet the new facts one recalls the names of lynch and martineau thomas toke lynch was born in dunno in essex and held for many years the ministry of a small congregational church first in grafton street and afterwards in the hampstead road london he died in comparative obscurity but the poems in his rivulet once condemned as heretical have found their way into most hymnologies eighteen o five james martineau was born at norwich and was originally educated for the profession of civil engineer but turned to theological studies and was for some time the minister of a presbyterian church in dublin then during a residence in liverpool he became a supporter of the philosophy of bentham and the elder mill but finally abandoned that position for kantian metaphysics thenceforth he was to be a great power on behalf of the theistic and unitarian position and he turned vigorously upon the materialistic beliefs which he had abandoned and was it may be added somewhat too harsh to his sister harriet when later in life she adopted them his endeavour after the christian life and hours of thought on sacred things are two of his best-known works though a more philosophical interest matches to his study of spinoza and his types of ethical theory eighteen fifteen to eighteen ninety eighteen twenty nine to eighteen ninety eighteen twenty eight to eighteen eighty nine eighteen thirty one eighteen sixteen to eighteen eighty five i have dwelt at some length on the work of the high church and broad church parties during the reign because with these bodies it has been a period of great literary achievement and it can scarcely be claimed that evangelicanism however earnest zealous and numerically powerful has added much of enduring worth to religious literature richard william church dean of st paul's who wrote so eloquently on dante and st anselm belonged to the liberal high church school as did also henry parry lydon a canon of the same cathedral whose bantam lectures on the divinity of jesus christ marked him out as one of the most eloquent of modern preachers one of the greatest scholars in the english church joseph barber lightfoot bishop of durham who applied to the author of supernatural religion belonged to the same party midway between the broad church and the evangelical schools we find frederick william farrer dean of canterbury who as headmaster of marlborough college wrote stories of boy life he succeeded kingsley as a canon of westminster and excited much attention by his sermons on the doctrine of eternal punishment 
his lives of christ and saint paul have been widely read john charles ryle eighteen sixteen bishop of liverpool has been perhaps the most famous literary exponent of the evangelical position shall we know one another in heaven and bible inspiration were characteristic books from his pen john sol hawson dean of chester who in conjunction with the rev w g conibeer wrote an able work on the life and epistles of st paul was also a low churchman eighteen thirty four to eighteen ninety two the most distinguished nonconformist minister of the victorian period and the man whose sermons found most readers was charles haddon spurgeon with whom eloquence and earnestness were combined with the possession of a simple english style which he derived from a study of the puritan fathers in john ploughman's talk eighteen sixty eight spurgeon put forth much homely wisdom in a quaint and humorous garb eighteen twenty to eighteen seventy one eighteen o eight to eighteen ninety two i have said well nigh enough concerning speculative writers and theologians but it is necessary to mention here henry longwell mansell who succeeded milman as dean of st paul's mansell was a vigorous defender of the anglican position the limits of religious thought was the title of one of his books metaphysics or the philosophy of consciousness phenomenal and real was another but he crossed swords with many disputants with f t maurice and g s mill and indeed he was ever a fighter subtle and skilful another theologian cardinal manning was a disputant on behalf of roman catholicism having left the anglican church in eighteen fifty one his many books and sermons are to-day only of interest to the theological student his life was written in eighteen ninety six and caused much controversy through its exceeding candour and indiscretion eighteen o eight to eighteen sixty four philosophy has had notable students also in ferrier caird and clifford james frederick ferrier who was a nephew of susan ferrier the author of marriage was professor of moral philosophy at st andrews he wrote lectures in greek philosophy and other works edward caird eighteen thirty five is master of balliol and he has written philosophy of kant essays on literature and philosophy and the evolution of religion eighteen forty five to eighteen seventy nine william kingdom clifford belonged to the opposite camp he obtained an early reputation as a mathematician and became professor of applied mathematics at university college london in eighteen seventy one his powerful contributions to the literary side of science were contained in seeing and thinking and lectures and essays the latter volume being edited after his death by his friends mr leslie stephen and sir frederick pollock eighteen o nine to eighteen eighty one eighteen o five to eighteen ninety seven the three most notable books that we have seen from the anti-theological side apart from matthew arnold's literature and dogma are the creed of christendom phases of faith and supernatural religion although to these may perhaps be added translations of the lives of christ of strauss and of renan the creed of christendom was the work of william rathbone gregg 
who wrote also enigmas of life eighteen seventy two and rocks ahead eighteen seventy four phases of faith was the work of francis william newman a younger brother of cardinal newman but at the opposite pole of religious conviction he has written many books the most successful being one on the soul eighteen forty nine another on theism eighteen fifty eight was inspired by the same theistic but non-christian impulse phases of faith eighteen fifty eight was his most successful work the author of supernatural religion is walter richard castles who has also published a reply to bishop lightfoot's strictures upon his larger work a work now all but forgotten which created a considerable sensation at the time of its appearance eighteen thirty four to eighteen ninety four the age has been particularly in its later developments an age of good critics of literature criticism unhappily rarely lasts much beyond its own decade even mr matthew arnold lives now only by his poetry and the many good things that he has said about books are being steadily forgotten arnold was a great critic and so also was walter pater whose marius the epicurean and imaginary portraits should have ranked him with writers of imagination were it not that criticism was his dominant faculty pater has been described as the most rhythmical of english prose writers and his renaissance studies in art and poetry and his appreciations give him a very high place among the writers of our time eighteen thirty nine to eighteen ninety four philip gilbert hamerton was another great critic who wrote at least one work of imagination marmorne is a very pretty story of life in france with every aspect of french life mr hamerton was well acquainted as he lived in that country for very many years he wrote regularly upon art topics and edited an art magazine the portfolio but it is by his volume of essays entitled the intellectual life that he will be most kindly remembered for many a year to come eighteen forty nine eighteen forty three eighteen eleven to eighteen ninety eighteen twenty four to eighteen eighty nine certain writers whom i must mention are entitled to a place both as critics and as poets mr w e henley mr f w h myers william bell scott and william anglingham for example william ernest henley has written plays in conjunction with r l stevenson and his book of verses and song of the sword entitle him to very high rank among the poets of the day but he is also a critic of exceptional vigour and force and since matthew arnold there has been no volume of criticism so full of discrimination and sound judgment as views and reviews ill health has compelled mr henley to waste much of his undoubted talent he is at present editing fine library editions of burns and byron frederick william henry myers wrote st paul a poem of considerable reputation but his critical essays are more widely known they were published in two volumes classical and modern and are full of delightful ideas and delightfully expressed his biography of wordsworth is a daintily fanciful memoir abounding in good criticism mr myers brother ernest is also a poet and so also was mr well scott he was it is true a poet of narrow range but a critic of great energy and industry bell scott became best known by his autobiography published after his death in it he discussed rossetti and the pre-raphaelite movement with sufficient frankness 
william allingham wrote many poems and ballads full of the celtic spirit and of ireland which he loved as the land of his birth allingham was for a time editor of fraser's magazine and he contributed regularly to the chief literary periodicals of his day literary critics of importance today are edward dowden richard garnett john sainsbury edmund goss leslie stephen and andrew lang all of whom are happily living and writing richard garnett better known to the world today as dr garnett has also written on shelley not merely with sympathy but with partisanship dr garnett who is honourably associated with the british museum library is a most acute critic a biographer of carlyle and emerson a translator from the greek and german and like professor dowden a poet eighteen forty five george sainsbury who is professor of english literature at the university of edinburgh has been an industrious critic for many years and his knowledge of french literature in particular is profound his acquaintance with english literature in the seventeenth century has however considerably vitiated his style it is not easy to tolerate the phraseology of the seventeenth century in modern books this defect of style is regrettably noticeable in two volumes of literary history which professor sainsbury has published one dealing with the seventeenth and the other with the nineteenth century it is in certain brief biographies of sir walter scott and others that professor sainsbury is most excellent but his wide knowledge and his genius grasp of the most salient characteristics of good literature are indisputable qualities which rank him high among the bookmen of his day eighteen forty nine edmund gosse is not less distinguished than the writers i have named he would be widely known as a writer of charming verse were he not actively engaged in literary criticism the son of a famous naturalist mr gosse is the author of many admirably written books about the literature of the past and the present what carlyle so largely did for german literature by introducing it to english readers mr gosse has done for scandinavian literature in conjunction with mr william archer a dramatic critic of singular insight he has translated ibsen whose influence has been as marked during the past ten years as the influence of german writers was marked during the previous thirty mr gosse's best biography is his life of gray eighteen thirty two a critic of remarkable learning is leslie stephen whose hours in a library and history of english thought in the eighteenth century are books which have profoundly impressed the age mr leslie stephen has written a large number of biographies all of them characterized by singular accuracy by remarkable graces of style and by genuine insight he was the first editor of the dictionary of natural biography a work which has proved invaluable to students of our later literature eighteen forty four andrew lang is the last of the critics i have named and not the least active he has shone in many branches of literary work his ballads and lyrics of old france ballads in blue china and numerous other verses have gained him considerable reputation as a poet his translations of homer and theocritus are by many counted the finest translations that our literature has seen some have contended that his musical prose rendering of the odyssey is incomparably superior to all the efforts of pope of cowper and of the many other poets who have attempted to render homer in verse 
mr lang is an authority on folklore he has joined issue with professor max miller on many points which are of keen interest to those who are attracted towards the science of language and the study of comparative religion as a writer of fairy tales and as the editor of books on fairy stories mr lang has endeared himself to thousands belonging to the younger generation but all this is but dimly and inefficiently to appraise mr lang's marvellous versatility he has written fiction history and above all biography his biographical work including a life of sir stafford northcote and a life of john gibson lockhart scott's son-in-law seventeen ninety four to eighteen fifty four eighteen twenty two eighteen twelve to eighteen seventy six biography has generally been written by literary critics and one requires no apology in any case for ranking the biographers among the critics john gibson lockhart himself was a notable example he was editor of the quarterly review and an industrious writer for many years he is best known to us by his life of sir walter scott which was published it is worthy of note in eighteen thirty seven the year of the queen's accession lockhart's scott is beyond question the most important biography of the reign the longest is that of milton by professor masson david masson has held a chair of literature in university college london and later at edinburgh few men know english literature better than he his name will always be associated with his monumental life of milton a solid accurate exhaustive book but he has written pleasantly on british novelists and their styles and drummond of hawthornden besides sundry other books many of our poets have had capable biographers professor knight of st andrews has devoted himself for many years to wordsworth and has written his biography besides editing his collected works the late james dykes campbell eighteen fifty five to eighteen ninety four wrote a biography of coleridge distinguished by remarkable thoroughness professor w j cawthorpe has proved himself pope's best biographer and editor and is giving us a good history of english poetry which at present reaches only to the reformation mr curtin collins one of the most thorough of our critics has written on swift as has also sir henry craig and swift's life in ireland has been gracefully sketched by mr richard ash king novelist whose love the debt and the wearing of the green have commanded a large audience swift has been a favourite subject with the biographers a life of him was the task upon which john forrester was engaged at the time of his death forrester was an untiring biographer and has benefited literature as well by his death as by his life in that he bequeathed his fine library of books and manuscripts to the nation eighteen twenty two eighteen twelve to eighteen seventy six john forrester wrote a life of walter savage landor another of goldsmith and another of charles dickens against which it was urged that he had introduced too much of his own personality perhaps forster's best work was his life of sir john eliot an expansion of a biography of that patriot which he had contributed to his statesman of the commonwealth end of the critics part four